Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Right now, they want to talk about bad science and the importance of having sound science shape our public policy. And are we making progress? Uh, coming up this Saturday, Center for Inquiry Calgary is uh, sponsoring a talk um, under the heading Unfriending the Future, Motivated Empathy in Science and Political Advocacy. Now, Michael Cruz is Executive Director of Bad Science Watch, uh, and uh, he will be the featured speaker at this event. And he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Michael, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be back. Uh, now, by the way, people can go to badsciencewatch.ca to find out a bit more about what your group's all about. But give us a, a bit of an overview, first of all. Sure. So Bad Science Watch has been around for about five years, uh, and we're committed to promoting or advocating for good science and public policy. So we're really focused on, uh, you know, interfacing with the government to give them ideas about how they can use science as a better way for making uh, important societal decisions. Uh, we're a grassroots organization, you know, funded by individual donations, uh, just a bunch of volunteers uh, who are working together to, to try to make uh, Canada a safer place and, uh, and fight for better consumer protection. Do you think we're making progress in those areas? I do. Uh, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about how things are, are proceeding. Certainly with the new Liberal government, they've been signaling that they are very focused on an evidence-based um, policy uh, decision-making model, model uh, which is great. Um, you know, it's going to take a while to sort of turn that ship around. Uh, unfortunately, under uh, Prime Minister Harper, uh, there was uh, there were some challenges. Now, that being said, we had some... We had some good wins under, you know, while while uh, while the Harper government was in, uh, and I think that the bureaucracy, you know, certainly wants to serve Canadians, and we're optimistic, uh, even though some people can can kind of get down on their on their work, that that we can, uh, if we we take a you know rational approach uh, to these issues, that we can come to a decision that is uh, that is good for everybody. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and certainly I know some of the stories you've been engaged in, and, and I've been following them as well, uh, when it comes to how we regulate so-called alternative medicine. And, and, and again, I think it gets to that, that guiding principle that uh, we need to rely on good science. If, if somebody's going to put something on the market and say that this product will do this, this product will cure this, this you know, th- those sorts of claims, regardless of whether you call yourself uh, herbal or alternative or whatever label you want to put on it, we we need to to guide these decisions based on sound science, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one one of the first things we identified at Bad Science Watch very early on was that the regulatory system for natural health products in Canada had been guided really for the last twenty years by industry. Uh, they were asking for market access, and they were you know uh, one of the only voices I think that Health Canada at the Natural Health Products Director or the natural uh, the non prescription and natural health products directorate that regulates these products. This is the only voice they were hearing, and um, before us uh, and other kind of consumer groups were starting to speak out about these issues, uh, you know, all they heard was that they want to get to market, and uh, and they developed a system around that idea. Unfortunately, um, it was sort of 
it was developed under this, uh, you know, umbrella of ensuring good quality and, and effective and safe medications uh, or, or preparations. But um, what in fact happened was they favored market access over that and really put the science to the side. And we're arguing now that, uh, it, you know, we have currently have an opportunity to update these regulations. Health Canada is going through a process of public consultation public consultation to sort of find a better way. And we're arguing that, you know, science and evidence needs to be at the center of this kind of process. Uh, and that regardless of what you're putting in your body, we want to make sure that it's that it not only that it works, uh, but it's safe to do so. We've certainly identified uh, some serious uh, questions around quality. And, and it's striking to understand that not only are nacho health products uh, the only product in Canada that the government can't order a mandatory recall on, uh, but these products are also not um, mandated to have, or the manufacturers are not mandated, mandated to have uh, quality assurance programs in place. They're they're mandated to, you know, have to, to collect records when they do do quality insurance. But as we've seen with several studies, there's you know, it's you're going to be you're playing a bit of uh, a, a, taking a gamble when taking these products. Uh, on whether or not there's going to be actually any active ingredient in it or whether it's going to be replaced with something else. And we think that this kind of quality issue is going to be the most important issue going into the future. Right. And, I mean, it, it speaks to the question of harm because I, the, the argument often is that, well, look, this 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 herb, this natural remedy, uh, it's not going to directly harm you if you take it. But as you say, that the harm comes in believing that it's doing something. The harm comes then in replacing that unproven treatment with proven treatment. So how do we factor in harm in that sense? Yeah, so I would argue that, in fact, there is some inherent harm. There's evidence of inherent harm in these products that... If they contained what they said they contained on the label, um, it's true that at the doses you're getting and, and, you know, with the sort of long traditional use of these products, that they are generally safe. Um, But, you know, we've seen that if you replace a product, for example, uh, with a filler like wheat, and you give that to somebody with a wheat allergy and they don't know wheat's in it, that's going to cause a serious allergic reaction. Uh, We also see every week... um, you know, examples of seizures by the uh, by Health Canada of products that actually have real drugs in them. Uh, unfortunately, most of them have to do with uh, sort of sexual enhancement drugs. You know, you'd, you'd be amazed at the number of of um, of drugs that have Viagra in them that uh, illegally. Um, so that is one issue. Now, yes, of course, if you're supposed to be taking certain medicines for your cancer or for your diabetes or your high blood pressure, uh, and you decide to not take them in favor of these unproven treatments, then you are putting yourself at harm. Uh, and I think that that kind of argument has largely been avoided uh, at Health Canada, and they've just been looking at the inherent product. Uh, and, it, you know, the problem, of course, is that when you, when you only concentrate on the inherent product, uh, you'd think that quality would be the, the main issue, but they've even uh, ignored that issue over this time. So, so yeah, I think that inherent harm, um, you know, if the product said what it contained on the label, if it contained what it said it contained on the label, then inherent harm wouldn't be an issue. But, you know, we've got a real problem with quality control, and I think that uh, we have to take a second look at these products and make sure that they're going to be safe for Canadians to use. Right. Well, I mean, we've had a couple of extreme manifestations of that in Alberta recently, two criminal trials. Uh, one case involved a toddler who died of meningitis, who was treated with so-called natural remedies. We had a seven-year-old boy who died uh, of an infection, a strep infection, uh, again, was treated with so-called alternative remedies. So, uh, you know, taken to the extreme, we, we do see that it can have even potentially fatal consequences. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think those, those cases are spectacular because they had a really terrible outcome. And, and I think if we look at the, if we look at the, you know, if we approach these as, you know, people who have families and children, you know, it's, our hearts go out to these, these people who've lost their child. But, and we, and it's easy for us to say, you know, what were you thinking choosing these, uh, choosing these, uh, these medicines over mainstream medicine? You know, in fact, we blame them for the death of their child, and that certainly is what the, the law courts are there for. I'm certainly going to argue uh, over the weekend that it may be useful for us if we're trying to actually make real change in society to take a slightly different approach and to make sure that we're picking targets uh, uh, for our uh, criticism uh, that are going to actually have a, uh, a, a good effect on society, that are actually going to change society, um, while it sort of makes us feel good or, you know, fulfills our values of speaking truth to power to, to call these people out for the terrible things they've done. You know, in cases where we've got a, not a bad outcome, where people are just making these choices for their family and nothing bad has happened so far, I think you're going to find that it's, you're not going to have very good... Um, uh, not a very good outcome or not a very successful outcome of berating people and calling them stupid. So, yeah, those cases are very spectacular. I'm going to be using one of them as a model for my talk on Saturday, uh, but I think that there's a better approach. Right, and I want to get to that, and as you say, that that's, that's part of the theme of your speech, is understanding where people are coming from, because I don't think people have sinister intent. People mean well, and so we, we need to be cautious then about how we, we try to convey this information to people, and, you know, without doing so in a way that it's going to backfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've all had that kind of experience of going home for the holidays and uh, having a, a sort of an argument with our Uncle Bob about that herb he uses for his gout instead of this regular gout medication. And I don't think that anybody's ever had the experience that their Uncle Bob has gone, wow, you're right. Oh, what was I thinking? Oh, my God, thank you so much for giving the truth on the decision. Usually people, um, you know, thanks to psychological condition or a psychological phenomenon like the backfire effect if we challenge people on their beliefs those beliefs actually get stronger uh, and so it's kind of a losing battle I mean I mean it, it it feels like it's important for us to to tell people what the truth is or what we believe to be the truth uh, but in fact if we take a step back we realize that there our tactics have to really uh, really understand uh, or have to to appreciate uh, these kind of psychological uh, uh, conditions called backfire effect or other kind of shortcuts in thinking in order um, to have a to, to, to make sure that we have a good uh, outcome with our conversation. Right. And, and look, and I'm sure you hear it all the time. I mean, the kinds of uh, responses you get. N- look, nobody's trying to give pharmaceutical companies a pass. And I think the, these these standards apply right across the board, regardless of whether it's coming from a, a natural health product company, a pharmaceutical company, all claims need to be evaluated but th- there certainly seems to be that that thinking and maybe that's how people fall into this in a way these these kind of anti-corporate attitudes uh and i'm sure you've been called a, a shill many times for for questioning some of this so what what leads people to to these beliefs yeah it's interesting so um the certainly i think it's important to recognize that um there are some shared common values that we all have right so we all want our family to be safe we all want uh, our, our children to have a, uh, the opportunities to grow up uh, healthy and with all the choices uh, that are available to them. Uh, and we also want to have the freedom to choose our own health treatments. I think that those, those kind of values we all hold. Um, the difference comes in how we sort of see the world. And I think that um, if you, for example, if you're a physician who's had a, a conversation with somebody who's been hesitant about using vaccines, 
uh, you can see in their argument a kind of mistrust of the system. And this mistrust is not unfounded. Uh, you know, when we see uh, large corporations making uh, choices about profits over people or, or trying to hide bad data, like in the case of the Vioxx scandal, um, or resistant to releasing their clinical trial data when it comes to things like uh, the All Trial campaign in the UK, people tend to, uh, tend to think that there's some, something sinister behind it their motivations and they don't trust them. Uh, and I think that the continuing along the vein without recognizing that and not trying to fix that trust, uh, we're not going to get people uh, convinced that mainstream medicine does in fact have better evidence. Uh, and so, you know, I, I understand that kind of anti-corporate attitude. Um, and, you know, we see every time that a pharmaceutical company makes one of these choices or comes out as hiding something else, it just does damage to the entire uh, our entire approach. So there's that. There's also, I, I think that most people don't, uh, you know, most people don't have a scientific um, understanding of the world. Uh, most people, and, I, and including myself, most of the decisions I make every day, I don't sit down and, and like Spock, log logically, you know, come <laughs> right. to a conclusion. I make, I make an emotional decision most days, right? This is what as humans we're, we're sort of built to do. Um, and so that means that our intuition is one of the most powerful ways we have making a decision. Uh, and if you're basing your, you know, your, uh, your, 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 um, your solutions or your, or your decisions on intuition, you're bound to come into a problem. The problem is it's very difficult to understand when we're wrong, when we're right. So, uh, it, you know, it requires many, many years of training to get into that kind of scientific main, um, the, um, frame of thought. So I think that given that approach, it's not surprising at all that people are making these decisions. Indeed. Well, it should be a fascinating event. It goes uh, Saturday, 2.30, uh, the Faculty of Arts at Mount Royal University. More details at centerforinquiry.ca or cficanada.ca. And, uh, of course, more at badsciencewatch.ca. Michael, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate this. You're very welcome, Bob. Thanks a lot for your interest. All right, take care. Michael Cruz, Executive Director of Bad Science Watch. Again, the organization, badsciencewatch.ca. And it's Center for Inquiry Calgary that's uh, bringing him to town, cficanada.ca. Uh, you can find out more about the event Saturday at Mount Royal University. Uh, we're late for a break here at 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.